Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Our speaker today is Terrell Anderson. So Terrell Anderson has grown up in this church, so many of you might remember him as a teenager or a child. Um, I've only known him probably really for the last six years or so, and in that time I have learned that Terrell is a man of steadfastness and faithfulness. He is thoughtful and kind. When he brings up a thought about what it means to follow Jesus, I pay attention because I know he has given it serious consideration. In fact, one of the things he said in his sermon this week as we were going through it together, I've actually been thinking about for the last two or three days now of what does this actually look like in my life. So today, I am delighted to have Terrell speak to us on gratitude. Good morning. Wow, I am just overwhelmed by the turnout here this morning. I can hardly hear myself over the crowd. Uh, I want to start out by saying that today is a good day. Isn't it a good day? I learned to start sermons this way from Pastor Greg. That being said, thank you, Pastor Greg, if you can hear me, and Pastor Amy for giving me the opportunity to speak this morning. It really is an honor to get to do this. This actually isn't my first sermon. I once preached in Mexico on a Bible school missions trip. But since nobody spoke English, there was a translator. So who who really knows what the congregation actually heard? Because I don't. In all seriousness, I love that Pastor Greg starts his sermons with the statement, Today is a good day. It is right in line with what I'm speaking about. Acknowledging that today is a good day, no matter how difficult it may be to say on any given morning is huge. But from what I've read in the Bible... I think God loves it when we show appreciation for the new day he's made. And also, oh, the last thing I want to do with this sermon is in any way negate what anyone might be going through. I recognize that a lot of people listening could be currently going through very difficult times in their life. I do not want to minimize that. My goal is to bring an awareness of God's call for us to be thankful despite our circumstances. And I know it's easier said than done. I think God calls us to be grateful people. And lately in my life, God has put gratitude at the forefront of my mind. I'm sure Destiny is getting tired of my preaching on the topic at home. So if anyone feels the same as my wife by the end, then I'm thinking you will be grateful for it to be over, and that means I've done my job. In the last few weeks, I've learned how important thankfulness is to God. This calling is littered throughout Scripture. Here's just a few verses on the topic. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Psalms 100, 105, 106, 107, 118, 136, all begin with, 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. These only scratch the surface of this theme of thankfulness. I was looking at the numbers, and this command is brought up close to 200 times throughout the Bible. My first thought when I began to realize that this isn't just a suggestion, but in many cases a command, was how does one just be thankful? And why is this so important to God? I'll start with the first question. I know a lot of people hear someone spout off a command and our human nature automatically desires to do the opposite. A good example might be a time not that long ago, I was pouring a cup of milk in the kitchen and my brother Ryan walked in, hit my arm and it dumped some milk onto the floor. And I said, you do that again and you're gonna wear this cup of milk. So guess what happened? We cleaned milk up for the rest of the evening. So it's one thing to be given a command, but this is a command for an emotion. How does one just force an emotion? I've been doing a lot of reading on the topic because I can understand the benefits of a grateful attitude, but did not know where it comes from. I've always assumed that it depends on a person's circumstances, how easily this emotion would arise. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized this is not the case at all. I remember going to a nursing home when I was in Colorado in Bible school. As I sat and talked to different residents, I quickly learned that there was a wide range of outlooks on life. There was a fragile woman confined to her wheelchair. She lost her only child a couple years earlier, and her husband had already been gone for two decades. As we left, tears streamed down her smiling face as she repeatedly hugged each of us and thanked us for visiting. On the flip side of the coin, one elderly gentleman saw us come in and immediately took off, glaring over his shoulder as he walked off to his room. Both people in a very similar situation as far as living conditions, one overflowing with gratefulness and the other seemingly bitter. So it's no doubt that the events in life are going to have a huge effect on our outlook. Um, but the ultimate determining factor on our gratitude is ourselves. We are our greatest barrier to gratitude. I was surprised to discover that gratitude can be learned, but I guess that adds up seeing as God requested it of us. I'm baffled by the fact that Destiny and I have tried to be extremely consistent with getting our kids to say please and thank you with every request. And still we need to remind them more often than not. It just doesn't come naturally. That being said, some personalities are more inclined to show this trait than others. The fact that we can actually practice gratitude and increasingly become thankful despite a range of circumstances is exciting to me. I want to read a somewhat well-known story that has emphasized the value, of, the value God has placed on this emotion. Horatio Gates Spafford was born in New York on the 20th of October, 1828, but it was in Chicago that he became well-known for his Christian testimony. He and his wife, Anna, were active in the church, and their home was always open to visitors. They were blessed with five children and considerable wealth. Horatio was a lawyer and owned a great deal of property in his home city. Not unlike Job in the Old Testament of the Bible, tragedy came in great measure to this happy home. When four years old, their son Horatio Jr. died suddenly of scarlet fever. Then only a year later, in October 1871, a massive fire swept through downtown Chicago, devastating the city, including many properties owned by Horatio. Despite their substantial financial loss, the Spaffords sought to demonstrate the love of Christ by assisting those who were grief-stricken and in great need. Two years later, in 1873, the family was traveling across 
the Atlantic to England when Horatio was delayed because of business. So he went, so he sent his family ahead, his wife and their four remaining children, 11-year-old Anna, 9-year-old Margaret, 5-year-old Elizabeth, and 2-year-old Tanetta. On November 22, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, their vessel was struck by an iron sailing ship. 226 people lost their lives as the ship sank within only 12 minutes. All four of Horatio's daughters perished, but remarkably Anna survived the tragedy. She was found unconscious, floating on a plank of wood. Upon arrival in England, Anna immediately sent a telegram to her husband, which included the words, Saved Alone. Receiving Anna's message, he set off at once to be reunited with his wife. One particular day during the voyage, the captain summoned him to the bridge of the vessel. Pointing to his charts, he explained that they were passing over the very spot where his family, his family ship had sunk and where his daughters had died. It is said that Spafford returned to his cabin and wrote the famous line, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. I've always loved the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, but knowing the circumstances in which it was written has made every lyric in the song so much more meaningful. <clears throat> it describes an attitude of gratefulness that I believe can only come from God. Um, a time in my life that I can recall a similar feeling was when I was 19 years old. I was living with a couple buddies in Lethbridge. We'd gone out to a movie. Does anyone remember those? I had left my phone at home, but when I picked it up, I saw six missed calls and a voicemail from my dad. I listened to it, and with a shaky voice, dad asked me to call him as soon as I could. A million possibilities raced through my mind. When I did get a hold of him, he told me that Uncle Kelly had been in an avalanche and didn't make it. My knees buckled and I fell to the floor. Immediately the words, I will praise you in the storm, ran through my mind. To this day I cannot explain why of all things this went through my mind. It had to be God. Being ungrateful is easy. Being grateful in the good times is also fairly easy. Being grateful when your world is falling apart is something that people can't help but take note of because it is extremely difficult. I can only assume it takes years of practice. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 16 to 18 touches on this when Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what are some ways we can practically become more grateful people? I think it's safe to say that whatever areas in your life we can't have control over, we should examine the expectations we place on these areas. If we find ourselves thinking we deserve certain outcomes, then gratefulness will turn to entitlement. Of course, there are ex expectations that we should be able to have. Um, we should be able to expect the sun will come up in the morning. A wife should be able to expect her husband will not abuse her. A child should be able to expect love from his or her parents. But none of these expectations are guaranteed. The only expectations that I know are guarantees are about God. We can expect his unconditional love, that he is who he says he is, his promises are true, and that he is unchanging. But to put into perspective how expectations can shift, take for example life in the 1800s versus now. In the early 1800s in North America, you could expect nearly half of your children to not reach five years old with a 46% mortality. Today it is 7 out of 1,000 children die before they are 5 years old. 
I'm not saying this to downplay the agony of losing a child today, but I can only assume your children surviving was not an expectation in 1800, but only a hope. Either way, it is one of the most devastating things that can happen in this life. But maybe if we give thanks for each birthday we celebrate with our kids, give thanks for each illness they overcome, and give thanks for each close call while they're growing up. I think this better prepares a person for when the hard times come, because unfortunately they do and will come. Just ask Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 27, he says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, uh, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Then during his last letter, written to Timothy and his church, Paul was confined to a dark, damp prison, executed a few days later. Even in these circumstances, he emitted thankfulness to Timothy, the churches, and God, saying, I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I think it's beneficial to adopt a mindset that is more surprised when things go right rather than when things go wrong. <clears throat> and, and by this, I don't mean let's always look at the world through a pessimistic lens. I just think it's almost miraculous how often things go right. When you look at all the intricate parts of a system that have to work in order for the whole system to perform its function. It's pretty amazing. I often think about this with my pickup. It starts up every day and I drive to work. Sometimes I drive all day long and after day 1,784 of it not skipping a beat, all of a sudden it wouldn't start. I might say something like, you've got to be kidding me, or now what? But if I had a perspective of gratefulness each time it started, the day that it didn't, I might say, wow, 1,784 days before it didn't start. What an amazing General Motors product. My job as an instrument tech is to calibrate devices using a known standard and match the device's output to the standard. I think it's a good idea for us to also recalibrate from time to time to bring things back into a better frame of mind. I find when I talk to other people about trials in their lives, it causes gratefulness to well up in me. You don't have to look far to realize how good we have it here in Beaver Lodge, Alberta. Did you know Canada was ranked number one in the world for quality of life in 2021? I know this doesn't mean Canadians are immune to suffering, but there are a lot less external forces fighting against us in a country like ours. Unfortunately, nothing calibrates our thankfulness gauge like hard times, and hard times are not hard to find. Even the best times are almost always bittersweet. I remember when our daughter McKinley learned to walk. Oh, give me a sec. We were so excited that she was growing up 
and running around, but it only took a couple days to realize she wasn't our little baby anymore. And that the days of watching our little girl crawl around the house were over. A moment in my life that I often think back to for perspective when I feel myself becoming consumed by expectations is when we were on a quad trip in the mountains with some family and friends. We'd been quadding all day and on our way back to camp. Uh, the trail was extremely dusty, so we couldn't see very well, but I could see my brother Ryan was ahead of me. So I was like, oh, we're almost home. I'm going to beat him home. And so I was going as quick as I could, catching up to him. He looked back and saw me coming, so he hammered down. And then I was like, oh, this is dumb. It's so dusty, I can't see. I don't have a helmet because they're dorky. And so I was, but then I was like, no, my quad's faster than Ryan's. I can beat him. I just, I'll keep going. And so I just pinned it, and it was gaining on him, but the dust kept getting worse and worse. So I was using the trees to see where the tops of the trees were to see where the road would curve. That was a really smart idea. Uh, but then all of a sudden, suddenly the dust just clears. Enough time for me to see that it's pure forest. The, the trail had hung a left and I didn't. And it was just a berm of dirt. And I had enough time to stand up and close my eyes and hit it, going as fast as I could go. And the next thing I knew, I was flying through the air, but I didn't know what was happening. I was just oh, eyes closed. I opened my eyes, facing, sitting on my butt, facing where I came from in a willow bush, like a soft, nice willow bush. And I could just hear my quad crashing further and further down into an old dried-up creek bed. And I heard Ryan, he, must have, he said he saw the trees move went around that corner, and he'd come back, and he was calling for me, but I couldn't even answer because I was just stunned. And uh, finally I did. But uh, there's three things I'll never forget about, forget about that day. One was that my sister Danny always rode with me. But for some reason that day she... She wanted to stay back at camp and read a book, which never happened, because um, she was always riding with me. And um, the other thing is that uh, when I closed my eyes and stood up, and my quad, we went crashing through the bush, um, me and my quad, I didn't feel anything. I felt literally nothing. It was like I was laid into those willow bushes facing where I came from, so I don't know which way I was rotating in order for that to happen, but um, it felt like I was actually placed there. I felt no pains, no aches, no nothing. The third thing is that another friend of ours who stayed at camp um, had felt the overwhelming need to pray for me in that moment, specifically myself. And uh, where was I here? Oh, I can't help but reflect on that day with pure gratitude to God. Gratitude that I have zero physical effects from the accident. Gratitude that I even get to take quad trips to the mountains. Gratitude that Danny wasn't riding with me that day. Gratitude for faithful prayers from friends. And knowing that you cannot expect life to just carry on day after day. The other way a person can better follow God's request for thankfulness for a thankful life is by practice. The more you make a conscious effort to thank God for the big things, the more naturally you can see Him in the little details. 
even if you don't actually feel appreciation in the moment, but just acknowledge what is good in your life, eventually you will begin to feel the emotion of thankfulness in your day-to-day. This legitimate feeling of the gratefulness in turn causes a snowball effect that spreads into all areas of your life. I think Mark 8 verse 7 provides a good picture of this. When Jesus had a few small fish and a couple loaves, he gave thanks for them and told the disciples to distribute them. He was thanking God for the small amount of food that could never come close to feeding the crowd. But the next thing we know, there's 5,000 people pigging out on bread and fish. As I get older, I start to see the practical benefits of God's commands in the Bible. I think of a non-Christian looking in from a secular world and seeing what on the surface might look like another religious demand. But even non-Christians can't skirt around the fact that the Bible's packed with laws that actually make sense in a secular world. Studies are finding endless benefits of regularly showing appreciation. Researchers have established an overwhelming connection between gratitude and good health, including reduced effects from stress, anxiety, and depression, better quality sleep, higher emotional awareness, higher energy, enthusiasm to work harder, reduced physical pain. Gratitude over time will actually change your brain. The neural structures are changed and strengthened and can eventually create a permanent, grateful, and positive nature within ourselves. In treating depression, gratitude replaces our thoughts of problems with a focus on solutions. Practicing gratitude releases serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin, neurotransmitters which make us feel good. When these chemicals surge, feelings of apathy shrink and the motivation to overcome depression is increased. Now, I don't really know what all of that meant there, but... It seems pretty incredible, and it makes you wonder if God knew that when he put it in the Bible. It's a big deal for people in general to be grateful, but I think it's an even bigger deal for us as Christians. Because if we are bitter, prideful, and unhappy people while knowing Christ, then it looks to the outside world like either we're doing it wrong or that it just doesn't work. It's like a bald man trying to sell a hair growth product. It's just hard to see the benefit. And I suspect this may be one of the biggest reasons why God repeats this perspective over and over. I know I'm not the best messenger for a topic like this. I actually wanted to preach on a less finger-waving topic, but I kept getting steered back to this one. You can probably tell I've had a fairly cushy life. My hands would be considered moderately soft by most of my male peers. My biggest chronic health issue is a reoccurring battle with athlete's foot, and my greatest daily hardship is changing my son's dirty diaper. And that's only if I lose rock, paper, scissors. So what do I personally know about gratefulness despite tragic circumstances? The answer is not a lot. I can only go off of the experiences of others. But if we start down that path, there's no one that can't find someone else whose hardships trump theirs. I try my best to inform myself of others' difficulties. I find value in learning about the terrible things people endured in in history, and especially the 20th century. It's just another way I try to recalibrate my perspective. Given the amount of pain and suffering in the world, I can't help but become overwhelmed by the lack of suffering I have endured. I don't think we can truly appreciate good times without gaining an awareness for how bad things can get. 
I want to leave you with my favorite piece of scripture on this topic and speak this over our church. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.